good afternoon. You're listening to Ken Hodnell. This is the Ken Hodnell Show. Coming to you from our studios right here in exciting El Paso, Texas. Gateway to the Old West. The most haunted city in the country. Well, as you can hear, I'm still alive. The voice comes and goes, but I'm still here. Well, today's January 16th, 16th day of the year. 349 days till the year's over with. Let's see. Holidays and observances. National Without a Scalpel Day. International Rehabos Day. National Fig Newton Day. That's not as good as National Oriole Day, but it's close. National Quinona Day. National Religious Freedom Day. International Hot and Spicy Food Day. National Appreciate a Dragon Day. National Good Teen Day. National Nothing Day. Which is about what Congress accomplishes. It's been uh, National Nothing Day. It's been commemorated since 1973. The day's literally about doing nothing at all. Putting it in a, sep- a similar vein to... <coughs> Other such uh, non-occasions as uh, Unbirthday or by National Nothing Day. No purpose to it. It's just a, a filler, so to speak. National Obesity Awareness Week. National Saving Energy Week. Week of Prayer for Christian Unity. Veganary Month. Thyroid Awareness Month. National Slow Cooking Month, Bread Machine Baking Month, National Skating Month, uh, January, Dry January, National Blood Donor Month, Manuary, International Brain Teaser Month, National Clean Up Your Computer Month, National Soup Month, Get Organized Month, International Creativity Month. Uh, Celebration of Life Month, National Oatmeal Month, National Be Kind to Food Servers Month, National Hot Tea Month, National Birth Defects Month, Awareness Month, Get a Baroness Life Month, A Balanced Life Month, and National Hobby Month. Among all those, you got to find something that appeals to you. Now, all that having been said, In 1458 B.C., that ship suit dies at the age of 50, buried in the Valley of the Kings. That ship suit was the, the great royal wife of Pharaoh Tutmos II, and the fifth pharaoh of the 18th dynasty of Egypt. Ruled first as regent, and then as the queen re, uh, regnant from uh, 1479 B.C. until 1458 B.C., Egypt's second confirmed queen regnant, first being uh, the Pharaoh uh, Nerefasobek in the 12th dynasty. 
daughter of Tutmos I and the great royal wife Amos. Upon the death of her husband and half-brother Tutmos II, she uh, initially ruled as regent to her stepson Tutmos III, who inherited the throne at the age of two. Several years into her regency, she assumed the position of pharaoh and adopted the full royal uh, titles making her co-ruler alongside Tutmos III. And in order to establish herself in the Egyptian uh, patriarchy, she took on traditionally male roles and was depicted as a male pharaoh with basically uh, physically masculine traits and male garb. Reign was a period of great prosperity and general peace. One of the most prolific builders in ancient Egypt, she oversaw large-scale construction projects such as the the Karnak Temple Complex, the Red Chapel, the Spios Artemidos, and most famously the, the Mortuary Temple. As Shep said it, dear there, Bahari, she died about uh, year 22 of Tutmos III. During the end of the reign of Tutmos III and into the reign of his son, Amenhotep II. An attempt was made to remove her from official accounts of Egyptian uh, histography. Statues were destroyed, her monuments were defaced, and many of her achievements were ascribed to other pharaohs. Of course, this was uh, apparently uh, ritual and religious reasons for this, not any personal um, hostility. The... um, She did have quite the uh, following. 27 B.C., Gaius Julius Caesar Octavianus is granted the title of Augustus by the Roman Senate, marking the beginning of the Roman Empire. 378 A.D., General Siak conquers uh, Tikal, enlarging the domain of King uh, Spear-thrower Isle of uh, Teotihuacan. Five fifty. The Gothic War. The Ostrogoths under King Totia conquer Rome after a long siege by bribing the Osorian garrison. Six twenty nine. Emir Abd al Rahman the Third establishes the Caliphate of uh, Cordoba. Eleven twenty. The Crusades. The Council of Nablus is held and. Establishing the earliest surviving written laws of the Crusader Kingdom of Jerusalem. The First Crusade was the the main success, uh, successful crusade. Several Latin kingdoms were established, one of which was the Kingdom of Jerusalem, which is still the hereditary title in uh, European held heraldry. 1362, St. Marcellus floods, uh, uh, kills at least 25,000 people on the shores of the North Sea. 1537, Vigas Rebellion. An armed insurrection attempting to resist the English Reformation begins. Vigas Rebellion, for those not familiar with it, was an armed rebellion by English Catholics in Cumberland and Westmoreland against. Uh, King Henry VIII of England and the English Parliament, led by Sir Francis Bigod, the 
of uh, Sutrington, the East Riding of uh, Yorkshire. Fifteen forty-seven, Grand Duke Ivan IV of Muscovy becomes the first Tsar of Russia, replacing a two hundred sixty-four-year-old Grand Duchy of Moscow with the Tsardom of Russia. Fifteen fifty-six, Philip II becomes King of Spain. Fifteen seventy-two, Thomas Howard, fourth Duke of Norfolk, is tried and found guilty of treason for his part in the Rodolphi plot to restore Catholicism in England. Sixteen oh five. First edition of uh, El Ingenioso Adalgo Don Quixote de la Mancha, book one of Don Quixote by Miguel Cervantes, is uh, published in Madrid. Seventeen oh seven. The Scottish Parliament ratifies the Act of Union, paving the way for the creation of Great Britain. Okay, in 1757, forces of the Maratha Empire defeat a 5,000-strong army of the Durrani Empire in the Battle of Norella. 1780, American Revolutionary War, the Battle of Cape St. Vincent. This was a naval battle that took place off the southern coast of Portugal. British fleet under Admiral Sir George Rodney defeated a Spanish squadron under Don Juan de Langara, sometimes referred to as the Moonlight Battle, because it was unusual for naval battles in the age of sail to take place at night. And also the first major naval victory for the British over their European enemies in the war and proved the value of copper sheathing placed on the hulls of warships. Well, let's see. 1786, Virginia enacts the Statue of Religious Freedom, authored by Thomas Jefferson. 1809, Peninsula War. British defeat the French at the Battle of La Corona. 1847, westward expansion of the U.S. John Fremont is appointed governor of the New California Territory. 1862, Hartley Colliery Disaster. 204 men and boys killed in a mining disaster. Prompted a change in UK law that required all collieries to have reduced to independent means of escape. 1878, the Russo Turkish War. The Battle of Philippopolis. Captain Alexander Barongo with a squadron of Russian Imperial Army dragoons. Liberates Plovdiv from uh, Ottoman rule. 1883, the Pendleton Civil Service Reform Act established the U.S. Civil Service. Um, it was re- enacted on this date by Congress. 1900, the U.S. Senate accepts the Anglo-German Treaty of 1899, in which the U.K. renounces its claims to the Samoan Islands. 1909, Hunter Shackleton's expedition finds the magnetic South Pole. 1919, Nebraska becomes the 36th state to approve the 18th Amendment to the Constitution. With the necessary uh, three-quarters of the states approving the amendment, prohibition is constitutionally mandated in the U.S. 
one year later. No more drinking. Which was the best shot in the arm the organized crime ever had. 1920, the League of Nations holds its first council meeting in Paris, France. 1921, the Marxist left in Slovakia and the Transcarpathian Ukraine hold its founding congress in the Lubacna. 1942, the Holocaust. Nazi Germany begins deporting Jews from the Lutz ghetto to the Chumno extermination camp. Also in 1942, the crash of TW8 Flight 3 killed all 22 people on board, including film star Carol Lombard, who was married to Clark Gable. They were on a bond tour, selling tour for World War II. In 1945, World War II, Adolf Hitler moves to his underground bunker, the so-called Fuhrer Bunker. 1959, Australia's Arias Flight 205 crashes into the Atlantic Ocean near Astor Piazzolla International Airport in Mar del Plata, Argentina. Killed 51 people. 1969, Czech student. Jean Palak commits suicide by self-immolation in Prague, Czechoslovakia in protest against the Soviets' crushing of the Prague Spring the year before. The uh, Prague Spring, for those who are not familiar with it, was a period of political liberalization and mass protest in the Czechoslovak Socialist Republic. It began January 5th, 1968, when reformist Alexander Dubček was elected first secretary of the Communist Party of Czechoslovakia. But August 21st, 1968, the Soviet Union and most Warsaw Pact members invaded the country to, to suppress these reforms. And Jan Palak <coughs> yeah, who was... Uh, Czech student of history and political economics at Charles University in Prague. His sepamolation was a political protest, uh, which accomplished nothing. Nineteen sixty-nine, the space race. Soviet spacecraft Soyuz 4 and Soyuz 5 performed the first ever docking of crewed spacecraft in orbit. First ever transfer of crew from one space vehicle to another, and the only time such a transfer was accomplished with a spacewalk. 1979, Iranian Revolution. The last Iranian Shah flees Iran with his family for good and relocates to Egypt. His son uh, trained at Fort Benning. Columbus, Georgia. 1983, Turkish Airlines Flight 158 crashes at uh, Ankara Esenboga Airport in Ankara, Turkey. Killed 47, injured 20. 1991, coalition forces go to war with Iraq. Beginning the Gulf War. 1992, 
El Salvador officials were able to lead her son to Chapultepec Peace Accords in Mexico City, ending a 12-year Salvadorian civil war that claimed at least 75,000 lives. 1995, an avalanche hits the Icelandic village of Suovak, destroying 25 homes and burying 26 people. <coughs> Fourteen of those people died. Two thousand and one, the Second Congo War. Congolese President Laurent Desire Cabela is assassinated by one of his own bodyguards in uh, Kinshasa. Two thousand one, President Bill Clinton awards former President Theodore Roosevelt a posthumous Medal of Honor for his service in the Spanish-American War. Two thousand two, war in Afghanistan. Security, UN Security Council unanimously establishes an arms embargo on the freezing of assets of Osama bin Laden's al-Qaeda and the remaining members of the Taliban. 2003, Space Shuttle Columbia takes off for mission STS-107. It would be uh, its final mission. Columbia disintegrated 23 days later on re-entry. The um, okay, 2006. Ellen Johnson Sirleaf, sworn in as Liberia's new president, goes Africa's first female elected head of state. 2011, Syrian Civil War. A movement for the democratic society is established with the initial goal of reorganizing Syria along the lines of democratic confederalism. <coughs> 2012, the Mali War begins with Turing militias start fighting the Malian government for independence. 2016, 33 out of 126 freed hostages are injured and 23 killed in terrorist attacks in uh, Kogaduag, Burkina Faso on a hotel and nearby restaurant. 2017, Turkish Airlines Flight 6491 crashes into a residential area near Manus International Airport in Kazakhstan. Killed 39 people. 2018, Myanmar police opened fire on a group of ethnic Rakhini protesters, killing seven, wounding 12. And 2020, the first impeachment of Donald Trump formally moves into its trial phase in the U.S. Senate. Also on this day in 2020, the U.S. Senate ratifies the United States-Mexico-Canada agreement as a replacement for NAFTA. Well... That is our history segment. You know, the uh, yesterday was um, the birthday of Martin Luther King. And it was also... Um, Luther King Day. His uh, birthday was made a uh, national holiday. 
He was an American Baptist minister, an activist. Everybody had to be an activist, don't you know? Political philosopher, one of the most prominent leaders of the civil rights movement from 1955 until he was assassinated in 1968. He was a black church leader, son of an early civil rights activist and minister, Martin Luther King Sr. And he advanced civil rights for people of color in the U.S. through the use of nonviolent resistance and civil disobedience against Jim Crow laws. Participated in and led marches for the right to vote and desegregation, labor rights, and other civil rights. Oversaw the 1955 Montgomery bus boycott and later became the first president of the Southern Christian Leadership uh, Conference. Led the unsuccessful Albany Movement in Albany, Georgia. Helped organize some of the nonviolent 1963 protests in Birmingham, Alabama. One of the leaders in the 1963 march on Washington. That's where he gave his famous I Have a Dream speech on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial. Helped organize two of the three Selma to Montgomery marches during the 1965 Selma Voting Rights Movement. Achieved pivotal legislative gains in the Civil Rights Act of 1964, Voting Rights Act of 1965, and the Fair Housing Act of 1968. was just 39 when he died. Won the Nobel Peace Prize in 1964 for combating racial inequality. The, uh, let's see, where is it at? 1958, he was signing a copy of his book, Stride Toward Freedom, in a department store in Harlem. When a middle-aged black woman who thought King was conspiring against her with communists stabbed him in the chest with a letter opener. Um, police officers nearby gave him first aid. He underwent emergency surgery by uh, Aubrey Maynard, Emil Nassario, and Jean Cordis. Uh, the woman whose name was uh, Isola Curry. Curry is found mentally incompetent to stand trial. The um, he was eventually assassinated. Just had it. Where is it at? Yeah. March 29, 1968, he went to Memphis, Tennessee and supported the black sanitation workers.
They'd been on March, a strike since March 12th for higher wages. One incident, Black Street repairman got paid for two hours when they were sent home because of bad weather, but white employees were paid for the full day. He was booked in their room 306 at the Rain Motel in Memphis. And Ralph Abernathy, who was there, uh, King and Entourage stayed in room 306 so often it was known as the King Abernathy Suite. According to Jesse Jackson, who was also present, King's West words were spoken of magician Ben Branch. Um, but James Earl Ray. Shot him at 6.01 p.m. While he stood on the motel's second floor balcony. A bullet went through his right cheek, smashed his jaw, and went down his spinal cord before lodging in his shoulder. He died at St. Joseph's Hospital at 7.05. According to his biographer, the autopsy showed even though he was only 39 years old, he had the heart of a 60-year-old. Well, as you might guess, he assassinated the race riots in Washington, D.C. Now, James Earl Ray, who uh, was convicted of the assassination, was not connected to anything. Another lone nut gunman, according to the, the powers that be, he fled the United States and traveled the world. He was captured in the UK. Convicted in 1969 after entering a guilty plea, which meant no jury trial and he didn't get the death sentence. Got 99 years in jail. Now, in 1993, Lloyd Jowers, over nearby restaurant, began claiming he'd been part of a conspiracy to assassinate King and that Ray was a scapegoat. In the Memphis civil trial in 1999, a jury unanimously concluded Jowers was liable for the assassination. King was a victim of a conspiracy, and various U.S. government agencies had conspired to assassinate King. The King family had said all along they thought Ray was innocent, although this conclusion has been disputed by the Department of Justice. King family believes uh, the true murderer was a Memphis Police Department officer, Lieutenant Earl Clark. Now, when Ray tried to escape, the message was put over the uh, police van, sending everybody in the wrong direction, looking for the wrong car. Well, Now, prior to the murder of King, Ray committed a variety of crimes. The um, first conviction for, was for burglary in California, 1949. 1952, he served two years for armed robbery of a taxi driver. 
1955, he was convicted of mail fraud after stealing money orders in Hannibal, Missouri. In 1959, he was caught stealing 120 bucks in a uh, armed robbery at a Kroger store in St. Louis. Sentenced to 20 years in prison for repeat offenses. 1967, he escaped from the Missouri State Penitentiary while hiding in a truck transporting bread from the prison bakery. After that, um, he uh, stayed on the move. Well, in 1968, he had a rhinoplasty. March 18, 68, he left Los Angeles and went on a cross-country drive to Atlanta. Arrived in Atlanta March 24, 1968, and checked into a rooming house. The FBI agents later found this uh, rooming house and a map. When they searched the room, <coughs> on the map, the locations of the church and residence of Martin Luther King were circled. Well, drove to uh, Birmingham, Alabama, where he bought a rifle. Remington Model 760. 30-06. Then he went back to Atlanta. Where he found out about King's planned return trip to Memphis. So on April 2nd, he packed up and drove back to Memphis. Well... There's a lot of mystery surrounding uh, James Earl Ray. And we uh, will uh, talk more about that in the future. Right now, we're going to talk about curses. There's been a lot of hype about the curse of the Pharaoh and various curses like that. You know, our belief in curses and superstition and the supernatural extends back to the very onset of human storytelling. It was used as a way to connect with one another, to spread information and to teach important facts of life. From ancient curses, such as the one in King Tut's tomb, the sports spells like the Heisman and the Madden curses, there's no shortage of legends to explore. The, uh, you know, the supernatural element inherent in legendary curses like the mysterious vanishings that take place in and around the Bermuda Triangle. 
certainly gets our attention. Keeps us on our toes. <coughs> From generation to generation and culture to culture, everybody's got unique beliefs of their own when it comes to these tales. Some people are skeptical of anything to do with curses and supernatural. But there are even more that are firm believers in uh, in the powers of a curse. A survey in 2021 showed that about 20% of Americans embrace the concept of spells or witchcraft as part of their personal beliefs. That's according to a study published by Statista Research. And another 2021 study released by the Pew Research Center found that 4 in 10 people across the globe believe that witchcraft is real. And you add that to the broader idea of bad luck or that you can tempt fate and the percentage skyrocks over 95%. I mean, there's something inherently human tied to fear and fascination of the supernatural realm and its power. You know, humanity's always sought to make sense of the unexplainable and believing in and sharing these tales allows us to do that. Sometimes reassuring us in the process. If you take the various superstitions associated with the world of sports, like uh, rally caps and playoff beards and dirty jerseys, these are all habits and behaviors executed as a result of supernatural belief in the strange and inexplicable. As people, we strive to step out of the mundane, the mundanity associated with our everyday lives and Find something that allows us to use the full capacity of our imaginations. And curses do just that. If you're looking to come face to face with the spooky charm of your own, uh, look no further than Robert the Doll, who you can see safely behind a glass case. And if you're feeling down, remember to stay away from the famous gloomy Sunday ballad also known as the Hungarian Suicide Song. Now we're going to talk about some of the, the curses. We're going to start out with uh, some ancient curses. As long as there have been people, there have been stories of inescapable fates. And ancient curses have mesmerized humanity since time immemorial. These uh, malevolent wishes of misfortune, often wrapped in a combination of historical fact and folklore, possessed an enduring allure all its own. Take, for instance, biblical curses, such as the curse of Cain or the curse of Babel, which weave under our consciousness a sense of the possibility of divine retribution. Or explore the notorious curse of King Tut, an eerie testament to ancient Egypt's vengeance upon those who dared to serve the deceased uh, Pharaoh and his incredible riches. <coughs> or the Flying Dutchman. Mariner's legend of an eternal voyage participated uh, by a reckless captain's curse. It's another classic jinx. Stretches across time, keeps us captivated by details we're never able to fully understand. 
And that's one of the glamours of, uh, makes the legend so appealing. Mystery is where the magic behind age old hexes comes in. If you share the tales of, uh, in fear and fascination, we connect in a small way with our own lost ancestors. Well, curses have held a profound place in human intrigue throughout history. Biblical curses are no exception. There's just something about these divine utterances and their supposed uh, repercussions that certainly uh, tickles our curiosity, so to speak. Maybe it's our eternal quest to understand the supernatural or our fascination with the intricate dance of morality and consequence. Either way, deep down, we yearn for a sense of order and justice in this chaotic world. And these tales, to a certain extent, deliver lessons relevant to that quest on a, what you might call a silver platter. In the early chapters of Genesis, we find a pivotal moment in humanity's story that is certainly far-reaching implications. The Garden of Eden, an idyllic paradise abundant with flora and fauna, said to have become tainted because Adam and Eve committed the original sin of indulging in the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the serpent who deceived Eve into eating the forbidden fruit was the first to be afflicted with the curse from that moment forward. The serpent would crawl in its belly and forever be at odds with humans. Next punishment was cast on Eve. She'd face immense pain during childbirth, as would women after that. Her relationship with Adam would be complicated by power dynamics, forcing her into the subordination. And Adam, of course, got his share of divine retribution. As a consequence of his actions, he'd forever toiled it on cursed soil, a ground that would bring forth thorns and thistles, making labor arduous and frustrating. And these potent and far-reaching curses would forever alter their existences, clearly a stark reminder of their monumental misstep that was what should have been a sanctuary. Then our next curse is the mark of Cain. In the book of Genesis, one of the earliest and most compelling stories revolves around mysterious curse known as the mark of Cain. This divine punishment was imposed on Cain, the firstborn son of Adam and Eve, after he murdered his brother Abel in a fit of jealousy. God, in search of Abel, asked Cain about his whereabouts, uh, and Cain responded, um, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? That's Genesis chapter 4, verse 9. Cain's mark, which is never explicitly described, leading to a variety of uh, interpretations, symbolizing protection granted by God. A sign that no man should retaliate by harming Cain or the damage would come back sevenfold also represent a condemnation that forces him into an endless cycle of isolation. 
Cain is said to be the world's first murderer. His story of both punishment and protection is, uh, still resonates across time. Beyond the narrative itself, the marker Cain has since become a cultural reference for a marker of stigma symbolizing a person's guilt or their perceived status as a wrongdoer. And certainly, the Mark of Cain is uh, one of the earliest things impressed on uh, children when they're in church. As I well remember. The confusing tale of the curse of Ham is a story that has sparked uh, centuries of debate and discussion. Begins with an incident involving Noah's three sons, Ham, Shem, and Japheth. According to the Old Testament story, Ham disrespected his father Noah by witnessing his drunken nakedness and failing to cover him up properly. When Noah awakened, he learns what transpired and pronounces a curse not on Ham himself, but on Ham's son, Canaan. He said, Curses be Canaan. A servant of servants shall he be unto his brethren. Well, that curse came from Genesis chapter 9. Declared Canaan be forever beholden to serve him Shem and Japheth's lineage. Thus beginning a saga of servitude for generations that follow. A story that may have served to justify the fact that the Canaanites, the descendants of Ham, were treated as subservient to the Israelites, the descendants of Shem. Curse of Ham endures as a thought-provoking story, imbued with profound moral lessons, but uh, many have felt that this also has racial undertones, leading to pro-slavery advocates to use the tale as a justification for slaving people black skins. Though, of course, no racial indicators are explicitly mentioned in the Bible's account. According to Thea, uh, Theologian Stephen uh, Haynes, Noah's curse has become a stock weapon in the arsenal of slavery's apologists, and references to Genesis 9 appear prominently in their publications. And that's been seen in many works, including J.J. Uh, Flournoy's 1838 essay in which he wrote the blacks were originally designed as to vassalage by the patriarch Noah. It's according to the curse of Ham. Well, in reality, this was actually a gross misinterpretation. Or, at least according to uh, Reverend Martin Luther King Jr., was a blasphemy. It's against everything the Christian religion stands for. But I have listened to the so-called learned people pontificate on things that you would just, would just blow your mind. Then we have the famous curse of Babel from Genesis chapter 11. The story of a united human race that speaks a, com a common language and shares a common purpose. <coughs> well, banding together, these ancient people construct an impressive city and begin to erect a tower of Babel. An ambitious project aimed at reaching the heavens.
But their zealousness to make a name for themselves didn't uh, sit well with God, who saw their prideful behavior as a threat to divine order. So in response to this affront, God chose to confound humanity's language, effectively splintering communication and destroying the collaborative spirit that had filled their remarkable achievement. Remarkable new languages suddenly emerging in place of a single common tongue. People found they couldn't understand each other. So their grandiose dreams clumbered along with their unity. And they eventually dispersed across the earth in small bands. So the curse of Babel's not only put an end to humanity's centralizing aspirations, but also gave birth to the rich linguistic diversity we see today. I mean, it sounds outlandish, but the Tower of Babel might actually have been real. Archaeologists believe that the tower referenced in the biblical story may be uh, the Timonaki, a giant ziggurat in Babylon dedicated to Marduk. But I might point out that the connection has never been definitively proven. There's evidence to support it. The title of Cartaphilus, also known as the Wandering Jew, leaves together a biblical folklore and religious mysticism. The center of this legend revolves around a chance encounter between Cartaphilus and Jesus on the path to crucifixion. According to the narrative, Cartaphilus was... Uh, working as a doorkeeper in Pontius Pilate's residence when he encountered a weary Jesus carrying the cross on his shoulders. Disdainfully, he struck Jesus with his staff and arrogantly ordered him to move on, move faster. And in response, Jesus looked deeply into his eyes and solemnly declared that Cardiffellos would remain in a state of waiting until Jesus' anticipated return. which is known as the second coming. As the centuries pass, Carnophilus found that neither time nor disease would take him away from this earthly realm. And the unbearable weight of infinite existence gradually transformed him from a seemingly enviable gift into an inescapable nightmare. The spell, reportedly stolen on this man by Jesus himself, has fascinated scholars and ordinary people alike for centuries. Some even claim to have met Carnophilus. Throughout the rest of the Middle Ages and even into the late 19th century, there were claims of sightings of the wandering Jew. That's uh, according to the religious platform uh, Catholic. You know, another interesting story has to do with the legend of the dogwood tree. You know, the beautiful blooming dogwood tree Carries with it a fascinating legend. The tale, which though not biblical in origin, is rooted in folklore, begins with Jesus' crucifixion. <coughs> An event said to have transpired on a wooden cross that was made of dogwood timber. And that's curious and ironic both, in a sense, given the fact that soft, delicate dogwood flowers were a popular choice for 
conveying deep sentiment of affection and love during the Victorian era. And there's a legend, of course, that explains the discrepancy. At the time of Jesus' crucifixion, dogwoods were reportedly as stout and robust as oaks. According to the story, there was a divine punishment or maybe a mercy that they were cursed or blessed, depending on your point of view, by God, ensuring that the dog would never again grow large enough to be used for such cruel purposes. After that, they'd grow slender and twisted and delicate. Distinctly marked by God's grace, dogwood blossoms came to embody poignant reminders of this story. The uh, petals formed the shape of a cross with uh, nail-like indentations tinged with a rusty hue resembling dry blood at the each edge. At the center of each bloom is an array of vibrant green stamen, which some see as symbolic of Jesus' crown of thorns. And every year during the Easter vacation, the dogwoods burst forth in full bloom. Onlookers can appreciate their enduring beauty and also this religious symbolism, which entwines nature and lore. You know, in the world of legends, there's a legend for everything. One of the most famous curses, of course, is King Tut's curse. 1922, British archaeologist Howard Carter unearthed the tomb of Egyptian pharaoh Tutankhamun, who ruled Egypt from 1333 to 1323 B.C. And his tomb was sealed shut and undisturbed for over 3,000 years. Started a series of mysterious events and Fatalities that later became known as the Curse of King Tut or the Mummy's Curse. Strange occurrences began soon after the tomb was unsealed, beginning with the death of Lord Carnivan. A financial backer entered the tomb and soon after that met an untimely end from a, what was claimed to be an infected mosquito bite. The uh, corn to writer Marie Corelli. There was a phrase from the tomb, death comes on wings to he who enters the tomb of the Pharaoh, that was uh, said to be carved on King Tut's tomb, which turned out eventually to be false. Then it was George J. Gould. He visited the site and died of a high fever brought on by pneumonia. Similarly, Sir Archibald Douglas Reed, just days after working on the mummy's x-rays, died of an unexplained illness. Other names, even more tangentially related to the tomb, began to be linked to the curse. <coughs> According to some researchers, deadly fungi or bacteria trapped within the sealed tomb would account for the early deaths linked to its opening. According to the Washington Post, common mold, such as Aspergillus, may have been present on King Touch Mummy. Fungus is known to cause serious infections in people with weakened immune systems. Others believe it was an unfortunate string of coincidences amplified by sensationalist media reporting. But in spite of that, the uh, King Tut's curse continues to 
claim the imagination of most people. Then we've got the Kennedy family curse, which includes assassinations and plane crashes and unexplained skiing accidents. You know, the Kennedy family, long regarded as American political royalty, has experienced a series of tragic events spanning generations. And these calamities led many to believe that a dark curse shattered the family, bringing death and misery on its members. And if you examined these tragedies, there's an eerie pattern that can be seen. We have Joseph P. Kennedy, Jr., Killed in action in World War II, August 12, 1944. His brother, John Fitzgerald Kennedy, the 35th U.S. president, was shot and killed in Dallas, November 22, 1963. Five years later, his brother, Senator Robert Kennedy, was assassinated during his own run for president while campaigning in L.A., June 5, 1968. Tragic events. Persisted when Michael Kennedy died New, Year, uh, New Year's Eve, 1997, while playing football while skiing. Uh, JFK Jr., often viewed as the embodiment of hope for a new generation of Kennedys, was killed along with his wife, Carolyn Bassett, and her sister, Lauren Bassett, when the plane she, he was piloting crashed off Martha's Vineyards on June 16, 1999. Well, as a Ian Fleming said, once is coincidence, twice is happenstance, three times is enemy action. When you get to five times, in my humble opinion, you can't find anything but enemy action. Well, we're going to wrap up today's show. We'll be talking about the curse of Friday the 13th in our next show. Till then, this is Ken Huddle for the Ken Huddle Show saying have a truly great evening.